Hey, Sam. Hey, Luke. What's, uh, what's wrong, buddy? I just watched the hit 2004 film Troy starring Brad Pitt and Eric Bana, but I don't know if it's accurate at all. Hey, we've all been there, friend. This has you pretty messed up, huh? Well, I have good news for you. Ah! Jesus! I'm a doctor. Of medicine? Even better, classics. And I have all the answers for your burning questions about myths, ancient Greco-Roman history, and the movies. Where can we get this incredible medicine? Over on the podcast, Greased Lightning. It's on all your favorite podcatchers. It will be the sweet ambrosia of the gods. New episodes every other Monday. Two words to me in three years of Bret Hart Welcome back to Hanksy Panksy, a podcast where two dumb idiot best friends fill themselves, mind, body, and soul with fatherhood-focused footage of a puppet playing Tom Hanks. I'm Sam Siegel, and I'm one of those dumb idiots. And I am <laughs> your puppet. I'm a puppet this week. Oh, I've got my hand inside you, Luke. Yeah, your hand's inside me. I'm Luke Patrick. I'm your puppet. I'm the other He's dumb my idiot. puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this week we are joined once again by the lovely people of the uh, Sick Girl Missives. It's not one, but two Jillians. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> thank, thank you for coming. Luke and I are broken. Well, <laughs> I just really, I'm really curious. Is, uh, is the puppet warm? Is it? Oh, oh, oh. boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let me tell you. Warm and wet. Yeah. Oh, hey. I think a solid 98.6 for Great. sure. <laughs> yeah. And Luke, if I may say, juicy. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, you know, all these are good characteristics when you need a puppet to talk about your feelings. Uh, you want a mm-hmm. 98.6, moist, and appreciative <laughs> of the hand up yeah. its ass. Oh, yeah, yeah. The juice is loose. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, this week, uh, the both Jillians uh, decided that Luke, you and I needed to watch a beautiful day in the neighborhood one more time. Yeah. So for the second week in a row, we have watched this movie again. Uh, for those who haven't listened to the other episodes, this is our retrospective where we look back on the last decade of Tom Hanks with some guests, yes. which is why the Jillians are with us today. And yeah, for the second fucking week in a row, we did have to watch uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> Well, we just, we, you know, we don't think it stuck with you the first time. Mm-hmm. So, and it was, it was this or Cloud Atlas, and I just couldn't do that. Oh, man. You chose right. Thank you. Man, I love Holy the darkest shit. timeline, though. The darkest timeline where we did watch Cloud Atlas again and make Sam oh. sit through all of that without subtitles. <laughs> God, that makes me happy. Oh, I'd be so fucking angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, Christ. So, I gotta ask, why was it between these two not at all similar movies? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, mainly, it was just deciding whether or not I was going to be a good or bad friend. Um, is really okay. what I tossed that up to. Well, okay. And and Jillian? Yeah, I, I mean, 
I hadn't seen either of them. And I was oh like, I like Miss I love Mr. Rogers. Yeah. yeah. I love him. So let's go for that. And it was a mistake. <laughs> oh no. We should have gone for Gladys. Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Well, uh, I mean, let's let's get into it. Uh how are your watches? I mean, I did not enjoy this movie. Oh, oh no. Wow. <laughs> what, was it, I mean, did you have, like, was there a problem with the watch? I mean, were, were you in a bad context? <laughs> was it the, the content of the film? So it's, you know, it's possible context is a part of this picture. We're deep into pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a hard stretch. And so maybe I, I came into it thinking Mr. Rogers will help because he's full of wisdom. Mm. He'll know the right thing to say. And what yeah. I got and said instead was Tom Hanks very earnestly staring directly at me. <laughs> <laughs> the lens of the camera during a moment when we think of all the people who have loved us here. And I was like, this is... Terrible. <laughs> Stop it. So. I'm sorry. I, I know that was not a pleasant point because my wife also did not enjoy that part of the film. Uh, going as far as to say, I don't like this. Yeah. In, in a most like urgent tone. Uh, but God. Fuck it, so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God! And and Jillian, how how was yours? Um, much better. <laughs> so good. I don't have too much to complain about. I um, I'm one of those really awful former children who could not stand Mister Rogers growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated him a lot more as an adult. So this was kind of like a surrogate experience for me mm. to, you know, right. live in a world where I didn't think Mr. Rogers was creepy. Um, and I enjoyed him and his puppets a lot more. <laughs> good, good. And and Luke? Hmm. My watch this week. So I tried to stick to the script and fully recreate my last experience, which was to reiterate a week ago watching this movie. Um, So I got up early and did watch this movie uh, with my first cups of coffee. And uh, it was still pretty good. Although I will say to Jillian, to your point, I wasn't a big fan of Mr. Rogers either as a child. And I don't know what that says about me re- feeling my feelings and the amount of therapy I've had to have as an adult to rectify that. <laughs> I have, I have, I have a thought on that, but please continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did enjoy this sort of dip in my toes into the nostalgia pool. Uh, like you said, it was kind of nice and to do it for the second week in a row. Honestly, the movie just washed over me like a cool shower uh, it came and went, and uh, then it was done. So no big deal. This watch was pretty good this week, Sam. No major issues. Uh, yeah. Well, well, good. Um, so, so I decided that I wanted a different kind of watch this week. Mm. Uh, so, so you know, last week I took it in as I was enjoying my cinnamon toast crunch and oat milk. Uh, my my sort of newfound your wet love. cereal. I'm so my proud wet of you. Cereal. Now, 
<laughs> Please do not speak too loudly about it because I don't want the bris- breakfast wizard to burst into my home again. Yeah, if we if we keep talking about breakfast too much, then the breakfast wizard shows up and he's an unpleasant, sausagey fellow. Oh God, he it's awful. Um, so this week, uh, okay, so you guys decided uh, about a week ago actually that you wanted to watch this movie, uh, and so pretty much immediately after I watched it, I told my wife, hey, I'm watching this again next week, and I would very much like for you to join me. Uh, and so, I mean, she said, sure, uh, but it it felt like maybe it was a hostage situation. <laughs> um, and so we we had a nice dinner with my folks, came home, made some popcorn, and, uh, and watched the flick. And really, Luke, I... It felt freeing because I was like, I already know this flick. I don't have to take notes. So I just I just sat and enjoyed it and also watched my wife watch the movie. Mm. Now, and, and did, did Kenna enjoy the movie? Yes, for the most part. Okay. She uh, she did not like the scene where Tom stares <laughs> just, just like barrels the camera. She did not like that. Mm. And then she, she also did not like his singing mm. at all. Okay, yeah. an interesting Not take a fan from of Kenna. Tom singing, uh, but otherwise she did enjoy the film. Nice, and and she almost cried. Oh. Uh, now, actually, I'm curious, Luke, did did you almost cry this time? First time, uh, as you put it last time, I did get a bit verklempt. Uh-huh. Um, but this time, uh, nothing, no, not even a nothing on the needle. Yeah. Needle did not move at all, for sure. Yeah. Nope, uh, just just sort of stone cold watch this week. How about both of you? Did was there any sort of you like uh, misty eyed anything? Yeah, I definitely got a little teary. I didn't have like a, a full actual tear form and right, delicately yeah. fall down my cheek, but no, I there were some feelings involved for sure. Sure, and and Jillian, even though you did not enjoy the film. <laughs> <laughs> so I certainly did not cry. I mean, I kept. I think the the point is, I kept wanting to. Like, I was like, "Bring yes. me there, take me there." Yeah. And then, I just no, I didn't want to go with Tom Hanks. I didn't want to go to that place with him. Um, I think the my favorite part of the movie, and I did get goosebumps. Okay, okay. was when all the kids sing to him on the Ooh, subway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a good yeah. part, part. Which yeah. I I did some I did my own research, you know, because mm-hmm. I really oh, I wanted yes. to know how true this movie was because I know that mm-hmm. it was inspired by an actual journalist who had developed this relationship with Tom Hanks doing a piece on him, and right. that is one of the few scenes in the movie that is actually true that he mm-hmm. experienced <laughs> with Tom Hanks like in real life. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I I had also done some research last week, and so while I was watching the movie uh, with Kenna, I would just randomly be like, that's real. <laughs> or, like, that actually happened. <laughs> Which I'm sure was super fucking fun for her. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Uh, so... So yeah, let's. I we don't need the plot because we already gave it to people. Yeah, if you, um, if you want the plot, fucking go back one week, one week, y'all, yeah. to last week's episode, <laughs> where the plot is on full display, ready and available for sure. Yeah, and actually, um, 
while you're there, uh, while you mentioned on full display, look, I just I just want to mention that um, in the article uh, that that the real journalist wrote about uh, Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. he just mentioned that Mr. Rogers got naked in front of him. What? <laughs> yeah, he was he was changing after a swim. Str- stripped down to nothing <laughs> and then said said essentially but this is more coverage than you were expecting to get huh <laughs> what the fuck dude that's some LBJ shit right there <laughs> Mr. Rogers not ashamed of his pink, uh, his peener Mm-mm. he's an honest man yeah he is well, so, so we uh, uh, just real quick, while we're spewing out facts, I wanted to mention that Matthew Reese, uh, who plays Lloyd in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. is Welsh and apparently had never heard of Mr. Rogers before being cast what? in this film, which I just find really endearing that he was like, who's it about? Sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Who? Huh, whatever, I'll do it. Yeah. I guess they never made the uh, Welsh language syndicated version of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we, we already know Jillian did not have a good time, but Jillian, how about you? Did you, did you have a good time? Yeah, I, I did. I had a good time and it, uh, going into it, I, I had to have a good time because the only way for me to watch this was to actually buy it. So, oh my God, what? (laughs) So I I bought it and I'm like, we're going to have to like this movie now. And luckily (laughs) I did. Um, (laughs) You bought it? Yeah, I bought it. If you don't mind my asking, how much did you pay to purchase them? Because Luke and I have never purchased a film. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was that or stars. So I purchased it for $12. So Twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. You know, like a a decent lunch. Yeah, a decent lunch. I'll tell you, I love this movie. It's not twelve dollars good. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry. You got hosed. Yeah. (laughs) It's. I. I I keep trying to frame it as a lunch. You know, like it, it. 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 It was enjoyed. It was enjoyed, like, but I mean, but like a sure. lunch alone, not not a lunch yeah. with friends. Like it's yeah. it's one where I take my lunch to go back home. I'm sitting, maybe eat it in the car. Yeah, or I'm by myself. You know, you at the also, table. you know, do I like a lunch that you eat alone in your car? You do kind of feel like crying a little. Yeah, <laughs> and especially maybe <laughs> in particular, like if that lunch is McDonald's and you just allow yourself to hit kind of rock bottom. Uh-huh. Eating some nuggets by yourself in your car, listening to a podcast, and sometimes it's about Tom Hanks, and sometimes it's about murder. You know, just whatever you're yeah. feeling that day. So sometimes it's about both. Some sometimes, if you're lucky, it is about both. But I yeah, do. No. I do just want to point out really quick that the alternative is what you've done, Sam, which is purchase a Star subscription through Hulu for. The Burbs, I want to say, which was a year ago. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. Oh, forget yeah. to cancel it for the <laughs> entire year. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I've had I've had stars for a whole year and I've used it maybe twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've paid more than twelve dollars, my friend. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I am deep in the hole. Please, people, send me money. Uh, so, Luke, how was week two for you? Week two was was solid. Now I'm I'm interested in maybe taking a heel turn here to back you up, Jillian. Because mm, I'm on record as enjoying this movie, but now that there's the prospect of us dunking on this flick for a solid hour, I'm kind of interested because uh, it was good. It was a good, enjoyable experience, but, um, you know, it's the second time through. I knew everything, and I yeah. remembered all of it since we watched it, you know, seven days ago. So, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I'll get a little bit froggy with this one as we as we move forward. Oh, have at it. Yeah. Have at it, sir. Um I'll I'll tell it's still my favorite Tom Hanks movie. I I fucking adore this movie. I it's not even that great, but for some reason it's just really hitting me where I live right now. Mm. Uh but but let's dig in cuz I I'm perfectly happy to shit on this film. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick it off. I mean, Jillian, what did what what didn't you like about this movie? What what upset you? It just wanted so badly to be liked. Like mm. you could just tell. Mm. Like yeah. there were so many moves uh, that the filmmakers made where it was like, like us. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, so. Like, like I said, like the staring directly at the camera moment where it was like, okay, <laughs> I know what you're trying to do and I'm not going to do it. Maybe, maybe I'm a bit of a contrarian. I don't know. But the moment that I caught wind of the fact they wanted me to like it, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to like this movie. No way. <laughs> I, I think that's fair. I mean, I... I did notice on the second watch that there are a number of scenes where if you just change the backing music, it's fucking chilling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially when he he first pulls out Daniel Striped Tiger and and yes. shows him to Matthew Reese and oh the camera God. just really zooms in on those dead doll eyes. Yeah. And it's it's so fucking creepy. Or when he's having his uh his dream experience and he's talking yeah. to Daniel Attire and then he looks down and Mr. Rogers is there like working yes. as the puppet. <laughs> like it's so fucking creepy. <laughs> and it's just like you change the music slightly and now it's a horror film. Yeah. I love this idea of so the the scene that we keep referencing is uh, Mr. Rogers says something to the effect of let's think about those that loved us that love us for a minute is is that the premise yeah right? yeah think about the people who loved you into being who you are yes uh, and then the movie proceeds to give us a full fucking minute of silence uh, which is not the worst Tom Hanks uh, similar similar thing we've ever seen that would definitely still be money pit where we got him yeah. laughing for no joke, three and a half minutes. Um, so it's not the worst movie sin we've ever seen, but it's still a movie sin. I mean, they give us a full oh, yeah. minute of silence. Now, here's what I'm pitching. You take that exact scene and just inject the music to Jaws, and uh, oh. now, now we're cooking with gas. Oh, that is something. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. Yeah. Uh, I it's fuck. That's shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Well, Sam, there's a lingering question here, which I don't think you've answered yet, which is, how was your second watch? What did you think of the movie after your second time through? Still real positive. Uh, I still really enjoyed it. I don't know. It's very meaningful to me. Uh, been been thinking about having kids, mm-hmm. and so the the whole fatherhood thing mm-hmm. uh, does does really hit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this week, since I knew everything that was going to happen, definitely did not hit me as hard. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, it's a good time. Good time. Good watch. Yeah. Now you're good making movie. now you're making me feel like a dick for two reasons. One that I don't like children, nor do I want children. So now I feel like I'm missing out on a, a huge <laughs> part of this. Nah, nah. Hey, look, we all got to make our own choices, uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that. We all got our own lives to live. And I'm not here to judge anybody's journey. Sure. And it does mean that someday we will get uh, me getting a vasectomy on the podcast as discussed. Oh, yeah, I can't, I can't fucking wait for you to talk about, about that doctor who just uh, kind of roots around in your, in your sack for a bit. Uh, but uh, let's move on to uh, maybe less horrifying scenes. Um I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did all of you think of uh, Matthew Reese's dad's wedding song? <laughs> hmm. I have I have some thoughts, but I'm curious to hear what the Jillians think. Uh, re-appropriateness yeah. of this song. Like the song itself or the fact that the dad got up and sang a song instead of giving a toast? Because... I mean, you could go in either direction. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Either, both, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to do. I mean, yeah, it's such a bold move. (laughs) Such a bold (laughs) move to stand up at somebody's wedding. You're not a professional singer. It's different if you're a professional singer, I guess, but then is it? Because it's like, really, you're seizing the spotlight and just like keeping it on yourself. I'm going to sing a song. And I like he did a fine job, but mm-hmm. it's like um, that's the song that Frank Sinatra sang with his daughter, right? Is, Is it? it? I Is don't it? know. <laughs> I think so. Oh shit! I see. I don't know a whole lot of Blue Eyes facts, so <laughs> uh, I'll take your word for it. I mean, I hope I'm right. I, that's so. I watched it thinking, oh, okay, that's why, because Frank Sinatra sang it with his daughter. But if that isn't the song, mm. I don't. I don't know Ooh. how I feel about it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Jillian, I was just thinking, this is classic alcoholic. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so it was emotionally, it was a little cringy for me. It's like ah. I think I might have been to that wedding before, you know? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different set of feelings that I wasn't ready to, uh, (laughs) to kind of like be in for that movie. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) See, I just thought the song was too horny. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Sam. Yes. Because, see, this is. It's a very horny song to sing to your daughter yeah that's what it made me think of was in arrested development where they sing afternoon delight uh uh-huh. to yeah. each other's yeah, yeah, nieces yeah, 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 and yeah. nephews and you're like mm-hmm. yeah should have thought about the lyrics on that one huh 
Yeah, because it is just like, hey, would you come out and get a drink with me, daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Would you come back to the hotel bar with me to drink and then fuck me? Yeah. Jesus Christ, you're her dad. Which again, as we pointed out, the alternative was getting up and doing the traditional thing and giving a toast. So uh, like you said, Jillian, bold move. Bold move on his part. Probably not the play, looking back on it. And a bit of a cop-out. Because, like, now he's taking, apparently, Frank Sinatra's horny words (laughs) instead of coming up with his own possibly horny words. Yeah, Yeah, it was. this, But this was the song. And I think it was was his daughter who wrote it and then sang it as a duet with Frank. Hmm. (laughs) That's worse. (laughs) That's that's Frank... And Frank's daughter, no. That's a very horny song. Don't sing that with family members. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit bit like getting up and singing Cat Scratch Fever or something. I mean, it's not that bad, but it's... (laughs) Pour some sugar on me. (laughs) (laughs) Has anybody ever been at a wedding where somebody sang a song? Instead of giving a toast? I I don't think... I don't even know that I've been to a lot of weddings that have had toasts. Okay. Oh. Actually, no, they've had toasts. They've had toasts. No singing, though. And definitely no horny singing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think now it's on all of us. We need to make a blood pact that the next wedding we go to where we have the option to give a toast, we instead do a, like, mediocre karaoke version of that toast. Oh, but yep. Luke, I've I've proven so many times on this podcast I can't carry a fucking note. Hey man, we said uh, mediocre karaoke. Life. Mediocre <laughs> is totally fine. It's part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Mediocre would be an improvement for me. <laughs> I, I had to use autotune to do my fucking Hank's cock song. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, pretty good. And uh, you know, auto tune that just that just gets you fifty percent of the way. You got to provide the other fifty percent. So you know <laughs> sure, what I'm saying. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I, any other thoughts, folks? Yeah. What, I, what else you bringing? Uh, so I noticed some things this week. Uh, my second uh-huh. watch through. You know, you always see something new in a film. What I noticed uh, most prominently this week was Old Man Gold Chain, classic combo. <laughs> And uh, we old had a man gold chain. Yeah, we had an old hairy man with a gold chain. That would be Lloyd's father. Uh, yep. Yep. Why? Why do old men decide? Like, <laughs> you know what? I need nestled in this this nest of silver hair. Gold chain. Uh, gold chain. Gold chain. Yeah, man. Shine out. Especially, um, I love it when, like. They're wearing a polo, and there's, like, three buttons at the top of the polo, Uh and they button two of those. And so you just have the top polo button unbuttoned, where, like, the tuft overhangs with the gold chain. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's such such an old man look. Oh, God. Yeah, a message to all our old man listeners, of which there are precisely none. Um, <laughs> please do not wear a gold chain. Uh, and stop doing that tuft with the polo shirt. I hate it so much. No one likes it. No one. Yeah. Read the room. <laughs> 
Um, <gasps> yeah, so that stuck out. One full minute of silence was another note that I had, but we've already talked about that scene. Uh, yeah. Definitely something. Um, yeah, so I have a question, and this may be a mm-hmm. bit of a brick, so let's just toss it through the window, and we'll yeah, see what yeah. happens, which is... <laughs> Give me this brick? Mm-hmm. Come on. So we've got our two puppets. We've got uh, King Friday the 13th, right? That's uh-huh. his name? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Had a had a brain spasm for a second. And Daniel the Striped Tiger. What other puppets could we come up with to sort of inject mm. into... And maybe this will roll into, uh, you know, if we decide to make our own kids show later in the podcast, maybe this will be part of it. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Jillian's, anything jumping out at, at either of you? Mm, Mr. Sunday Scaries. <laughs> yes. Now we're talking. What the fuck is that? You don't know what the Sunday scaries are? No. <laughs> so yeah, that's the feeling that you get um when your weekend is like dwindling away and you are starting to get anxious and you're dreading Monday coming. So oh. That feeling, just, yeah, Sunday scary. I just thought that was depression. <laughs> I mean, or that, but it has a cute name. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Sunday Scaries. No, this okay. is this is very important. What does Mr. Sunday Scaries look like? Because in my head, I got a lot of options, and none of them are good for children. <laughs> um, so I there's a there's a gummy that's called Sunday Scaries. That's like a CBD gummy. And so in my mind, he is like, he's not a CBD gummy bear. He's actually a THC gummy bear. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just a gummy bear who's who's here to help you deal with those Sunday scaries. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Kind of a, kind of a, he's a helpful puppet, this one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sort of treating his own problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here to help you, you know, relax, chill out. Calm down, man. And take on Monday. And take on Monday. <laughs> uh, well, well, Jillian, you got anything? Yeah, I think probably a, f- a friendly snake. And I say this because snakes are my worst fear. And so you mm-hmm. take your worst fear and then you make it friendly. And then you get to know it. And maybe it isn't such a bad fear anymore. Okay. And his name is Bobby Bodine. First and last name. Fuck. Yes. Bobby Bodine. (laughs) Bobby Bodine, the friendly snake, is my hero. Yeah, and he's just a friend that you can have with you always. So that's my puppet. Nice. These are two extremely powerful puppets. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. I, the the best I could come up with is just the sad boy. Uh, <laughs> he's, he just he's sort of just kind of slumped over, and and he does kind of ruin everything because he's the sad boy, and he just shows up and he gives everyone bad news, and uh, he's a sad boy. <laughs> nice. I think I'm bringing a different energy to this because the puppet I have in mind is named Stinky Pete. And Stinky Pete (laughs) is made out of whatever's laying around. And Stinky Pete has some very interesting opinions for the kids to learn about. Most of them related to immigrants and food stamps. Okay, so Stinky Pete is a racist. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, he doesn't like that word. 
so much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, Stevie Pete, he he can come, I guess, but <laughs> I think there's going to be a real personality clash. Yeah, I, I, in my head, he's kind of like Oscar the Grouch, but worse. And I think okay. part of the show is like how to, because kids need to know these skills, like how to deal with Stinky Pete in his opinions mm, about COVID-19 okay. vaccinations, uh, which aren't great. Yeah. I got you. So, so like, how to talk to Stinky Pete at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas, <laughs> the only two times a year you see Stinky Pete. Yeah, exactly. So I think Stinky Pete shows up maybe, yeah, like once or twice a year mm-hmm. tops. Uh, that would fit. Well, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I don't like him, and I don't want him to show up, but I, you know, Mr. Rogers, he did say they they need to learn about the good and the bad, mm-hmm. and what better uh, addition to death and divorce and war than pure, pure racism. Mm-hmm. Pure nonchalant racism from Stinky there Pete. There you go. Yeah. Stinky Pete. So so uh this is quite the the class we got. So we got Stinky Pete the sad boy, Bobby Bodine the friendly snake. <laughs> <laughs> and the Sunday scaries. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this this battered and broken group of toys. Yeah. <sighs> so, okay. Um now Jillian, you right before we recorded, you mentioned quite the bombshell uh, to us and and I think it's time to break that one out I okay. need, I need to discuss this okay so I wouldn't usually watch all the way to the an absolute end credits uh-huh. of a movie yeah but I was just kind of lying sad like a slug in my bed after watching this movie that I thought mm-hmm. would make me feel better and made me feel much worse <laughs> and then I kind of stared sadly at the screen and the Zapruder film is credited in the movie <laughs> yeah I I can't figure this out and I was I was like no this can't be true it's midnight you're hallucinating but then I googled it and there's a reddit thread about it where other people had also watched to the very end of the credits of the movie and were like uh-huh. why why has this been credited? Yeah. I, did you get any answers as to why this is in the movie? <laughs> well, okay. So, um, the Reddit user, one hunky tenor, says... Okay. <laughs> He's an expert. Mm-hmm. Yes, nope. we can trust him. <laughs> yes. He says, thrilled to find this thread. I guess something got cut. 99.9% sure that Zapruder was not used in the release film. <laughs> um, so he's mentioning that um, Mr. Rogers spoke about the assassination of JFK for people who don't know what the Zapruder film is. Oh, right, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> probably an important detail. Yeah, so it's just, it's a... Uh, it's a film, it's like the only known film of the JFK assassination taken by a, a person mm-hmm. with the last name of Zapruder. Um, and so I guess he's theorizing, this one hunky tenor is theorizing that it's maybe there was a, a clip of that episode that was cut from the movie, but they credited it anyway. 
But I like the ninety nine point nine percent sure that it that this wasn't used in the release film. Like he's not yes. certain. <laughs> like I've I've combed through this film, and I'm pretty sure I don't see the president of the United States getting assassinated. But I may have missed it. <laughs> All right, I have a theory about this. Here, uh-huh. Here's my theory. So in this movie, we do see Mr. McFeely show up. With a speedy uh-huh. delivery, which is a tape showing how magazines are made. Now, what oh, I'm, so you, what oh I'm, my god, mm-hmm, what I'm postulating <laughs> is that what happened that they cut is that Mr. McFeely shows up and is like speedy delivery, and Mr. Rogers is like, "What do you got today?" And he's like, "It's the Zapruder film." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, so this is gonna be a first. Um, everyone, this is an emergency. Please come with me to the conspiracy corner. <laughs> Here's the thing, Luke, you are correct. Mm. Uh, Mr. McFeely did bring the Zapruder film to Fred Rogers, Tom Hanks, uh, to show the assassination of JFK in picture, picture, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But Tom Hanks and Fred Rogers cut that from the film because he didn't want everyone to know that Lyndon B. Johnson did assassinate JFK himself Mm. along with Richard Nixon. And that uh, Tom Hanks is sort of uh, connected with all of these events as he was, you know, protecting JFK. He didn't want everyone to kind of get a reminder of his incredible failure to protect the president from LBJ and Richard Nixon. Um, But also, here's the thing. If you show the Sapruder film on Picture Picture, it does show Lyndon Johnson pulling the trigger. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and that's the big problem is that if everyone sees LBJ pulling the trigger, then Tom's whole mission to to subvert LBJ and Richard Nixon gets blown wide open, and everyone knows everything that he's been doing to to uh, kind of subvert their push in American politics and history. Mm. So if you see LBJ pulling the trigger on JF fucking K, it it ruins uh, Tom's whole thing. Uh, and he needs that to spread Chinese communism throughout our industrial centers here mm-hmm. in the United States. Yep, that tracks. So, makes sense so, to me. Uh, I I just wanted everyone to know that on, only by watching the Sapruder <laughs> film on picture picture can you see the real assassin of JFK. Uh, and uh, and we can now leave the conspiracy corner. This oh. was this was an emergency broadcast from the conspiracy corner. Nice. I feel like we really got to the the root of that nugget. So thank you, Jillian, for pointing this out. And also, that means that none of the rest of us watched this fucker all the way through to the end. <laughs> I, I will legitimately never watch all the way to the credits. Uh, like, I'm never doing that unless, yeah. like, maybe I died. Yeah, I, I assume that this wasn't like a Marvel film and they have, like, a teaser <laughs> at the end. <laughs> it's... it's uh, it, the teaser is uh, Tom Hanks pulling Daniel Striped Tiger out of the, the briefcase, st- barreling the camera once again, and just <laughs> holding the puppet perfectly still facing the camera, and the camera just slowly panning in closer and closer and closer <laughs> and closer, <laughs> closing in on Daniel Striped Tiger's eye, and then it cuts to black. Haunting. I love it. <laughs> one one other gift from the credits is that you know the character Todd 
who is the brother-in-law and mm-hmm. who introduces himself <laughs> to Matthew Reese's character by saying, I guess I'm Todd. (laughs) 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 So that is actually one of the writers on the film. Oh, Oh. shit. Okay. (laughs) So he wrote that line for himself (laughs) and then delivered it perfectly, might I add. Yeah. But unless he fucked up his own line. (laughs) Like, what if he wrote the line... I'm Todd, and then when they shot it, he was like, "I, I guess I'm Todd." <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> but they kept it in because they didn't want to ruin the message that you know, right. not everyone's perfect, and we mess up sometimes. Exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I, I, does anyone else have any other loose thoughts? I mean, I have. I want to talk about the tent. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's hear about the tent. I think the tent was my favorite character because the tent really felt like it was me. Because um, <laughs> Tom Hanks slash Mister Rogers kept trying to make it work with me during this movie. He was like, <laughs> "Come on, we're gonna work together," and I just kept <laughs> resisting. And so the extent, like in the movie, there's like this—I want to say two minute, mm-hmm. maybe two minute. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a while. <laughs> Of Tom Hanks struggling to put a tent together, and he's making sounds like, oh, oh, mercy, oh, 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 the whole time. And I felt like this tent is me, and it really resonated. I wanted to get everybody else's thoughts on the tent. (laughs) Well, the the tent was also one of those real things that did happen. That Mm -hmm. there's apparently like a a two-minute clip out there in one of the episodes of Mr. Rogers, you know, fumbling around. So that's wow, my yeah. trivia. I, <laughs> I, I love the tent scene, uh, as I love the rest of this movie, but I don't understand how the tent is supposed to work. I, I genuinely don't. I've, I've watched this twice now, and I still don't understand how the tent is ideally supposed to function. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, neither does Mr. Rogers, clearly. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, yeah. Well, I, especially, it shouldn't take two adults to put a tent up. <laughs> I, I guess. It, just, it shouldn't. I, I mean, I don't do a lot of tenting, so uh, I, I, the tent technology has really sort of uh, left me by the wayside, so I, I don't... Are you just supposed to push down and twist or something? Is it like a pill bottle, but a tent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure you just push down. Uh, I'm, yeah. I don't think it takes two adults to do this, but I think what we're really missing here is what Jillian has brought to the table, which is that the tent is a metaphor. So the tent was never supposed to actually be created. It's, it's just a metaphor for us as the audience being manhandled by Fred Rogers for uh, an hour and 40 minutes. I think that's the real message here. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I, I think that's some powerful symbolism there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and Jillian, I, I must say I am sorry that uh, you had to be sort of twisted and wrangled and, <laughs> and jangled <laughs> by, by Tom himself. And that's the thing. Like, the tent wants to be up. It's a tent just figure out the right way to get it there and then i would like please 
please. And he just kept pushing me in the wrong direction. Mm. So, <laughs> You know, we've learned a lot of things about Tom. And one of them is that he does not have a lot of finesse with women. Uh, and so I'm, I'm so sorry that he just doesn't know how to, how to work with, with women, really, in general. Or tense, apparently. Tense. Yeah. Well, again, the tent is true. Us, the audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, now, I I do have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Did anyone do anything special for Tom's birthday yesterday? <laughs> I saw that it was his birthday, and that he DJed a fucking surf set, surf rock <laughs> set somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> he, he DJed an hour on New Jersey radio uh, where he just played like surf hits. Mm-hmm. It was like it, he titled the show like from the back of the station wagon. And at first I thought that was like a sex thing. And then I remembered, no, it's Tom fucking Hanks. Of course it's not. It's surf music. Yeah. Just a good wholesome hour of surf rock's greatest hits with Tom Hanks. Yep. Uh, I. I listened to some of it. <laughs> I now okay. So, so we're we're gonna peek behind the curtain a little bit, Luke. How many fucking notifications did you get that it was Tom's birthday yesterday? At, at least three. Yeah, because our algorithm has been so deeply fucked that anytime Tom Hanks does anything, so his his sixty seventh, I want to say birthday. I'm sorry, Luke. 65. 65. That was the other guess. Uh, 65th birthday was a big fucking deal for my phone yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, anytime he really, like, farts the wrong way, uh, Google's got to let me know at least five times. <laughs> <laughs> what a world. I didn't get a single notification yesterday about his birthday. <laughs> oh, so my God. We are just leading very different lives. Yep. <laughs> well, I think... Part of the problem is it's become so commonplace to get regular Tom Hanks news that I just assume everyone gets this level of Tom <laughs> Hanks news notification. So it is actually a little surprising to me that you received no notification mm-hmm. whatsoever yeah. that yesterday Tom Hanks, Tom Thomas Jeffrey Hanks, turned 65 years old. Yeah. Uh, I wish oh. I'd known that. I feel like I would have watched the movie differently if I'd known it was his birthday. Maybe I would have been yeah. more generous. Jillian, it's his birthday. It's the least you could do. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you didn't you didn't have a cake for your watch? <laughs> I I had a hot chocolate um, with two of the big marshmallows that well, that's, I that's let the... melt halfway. Yeah. Yeah, go. that's the the cake of drinks. Exactly. But yeah. I didn't drink it thinking it's Tom Hanks's birthday and that deserves a moment of celebration. And I I deeply regret that. I'm well, sorry. hey, you know, you if no one tells you, how are you supposed to know? I'm supposed you know, to feel it, it in my heart. Well, <laughs> I that's true. I mean, if you if you've truly accepted Tom into your heart, <laughs> you should just know. But you know, sometimes it's more of a journey for people, and that's fine. Uh, you know, he's he's a challenging figure. Uh, do you guys think we're okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, generally? 
it's I mean it's been a number of episodes since you've mm-hmm. been here and last time I think we were very much not okay. Mm-hmm. We were going through a rough mm-hmm. patch. Yeah. And it and I'll tell you it feels like I'm doing better, but I think I might just be lying to myself. <laughs> I I feel like you're doing better. And I also want you to know that Jillian and I were so so happy that cuz we had mentioned you know, we were hoping that you were going to enjoy Larry Crown. You know, that you oh. had some good stuff coming. And then you <laughs> got to Larry Crown and you were able to just kind of have a sigh of relief. So oh, it was great. And mm-hmm. it's just we're we're <laughs> I I think, you know, I'm not as worried about you as I was. There's just well, there's been a little bit more good. happiness since then. Yeah, it's it's been a more forgiving decade. I'll give it that. Yeah. Uh, a related question: What do you guys think of the fact that it's been a full year? That I mean, you've had you've had a taste now. You've you've done it twice. You've watched the Tom Hanks movie. So, what do you think about maybe doing a full year of Tom Hanks? <laughs> That's it's an impressive commitment. Mm-hmm. I think you've really followed through, mm. and so I can say confidently that Tom would be proud of you. He Ooh. would be. Oh, he you, would be. You think so? Yeah, because you said you were going to do something, and you followed through. And hey, yeah, that something was watching all of his movies <laughs> and writing <laughs> poems, <laughs> writing poems with the word "dong" in it, Sam. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> but look, you my degree through. is not in arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he'd be proud. I think. I think I think that's very generous of you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in the face of the very dumb thing we decided to do uh, yeah. a year and a week ago. I mean, I what I'll say is, prior to you saying that Tom would would be proud of us, you were essentially just saying you did it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she's not wrong. You did it. <laughs> I, now, we've got two movies left, which, yeah. I mean, granted, Luke and I have That's talked true. about maybe the idea of just leaving everyone with the bluest balls and not finishing it. Yeah. Because uh, I do think that would be funny. But, <laughs> but I don't think I could sleep at night knowing that I've left this unfinished. <laughs> yeah, no, for your for your final episode, you should have your intro and everything, and it should, you know... You should load it up, and it's an hour long, but 15 minutes in, you just walk away. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, so is what that should be. <laughs> 45 minutes of dead air? Yes. Oh, man. Oh, that's good. You can't tease that's ideas like that. good. Yeah. <laughs> that, or you just sit there typing on an old typewriter. It's just mm. a clickety oh, clack of chunk keys. Oh, yeah, just an ode to Tom. Um. Yeah, Luke, if you had to pick one movie that we watched once a week, every week for for a year, worst idea of all time style, which one would it be? I think The Burbs. I think we could get a full year out of The Burbs for sure. Yeah? Oh, yeah, dude. You think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, honestly, I think I would do Larry Crown. Really? <laughs> Scoot gang, I, huh? A, I think there's a lot there, and I think I really would want to spend a year with serially masturbating Brian Cranston. 
<laughs> it would be something. I th they both have attractive qualities. You know, things we could riff on for an entire year. Uh, I, I could see that. Um, yeah, Larry Crown's got some source material, if you will. Oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, God. I, we, could, we could buy scooters as part of the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. And expense it. Hey, that's a business expense right there. It is. You can write that off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, does does anyone else have any other thoughts? Yeah, I think I think not. I think we've we've yeah. mined all that this movie has to offer after our second week with it. <laughs> well, well, folks, I've I've actually made a ton of money selling bootleg Daniel Striped Tiger puppets. Um, so could you come with me to the Hanks Bank as I deposit that? Let's do okay. it. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. And we're back, and this time we're going to talk about our feelings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Jillian and I have our own podcast, and we write letters to one another, and we really kind of take a look at life through the lens of chronic conditions, whatever they may be. Um, and, you know, maybe another, another reason that we chose the same movie for you guys to watch back to back it's because we want to talk about feelings on your show. Nice. We want to we want to hear about your feelings in particular. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, so was there sort of a, a starting point? Did you have like a jumping off point for us? Yes, Luke. You said that you didn't like Mister Rogers as a mm -hmm. child and maybe we're a little disconnected from your feelings is that a fair assessment based on what you were saying oh yeah i mean given the amount of therapy bills involved with trying to reconnect with my feelings <laughs> for sure <laughs> um yeah which i think speaks a lot to me as a kid i mean you look at the show on the face of it, right, Mr. Rogers? Uh, it's pretty straightforward and pretty objectively good for children, I would say. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is yeah. all about identifying feelings, dealing with your feelings. And so the fact that I found him phony as a child. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I... yeah. Well, so I have a theory about this, and it's completely from my ass. So, you know, okay. I'm just going to take <laughs> have a little okay. have a little caveat right there. Um, and there's probably a lot of projection in this as well. But I also did not like Mr. Rogers growing up. And I, I think phony is a really good word. Um, but as a kid, there were very like from very early on, there were a lot of things that I went through that forced me to grow up, you know, really quick. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe that's something that's similar between, um, you know, if you yourself as a child are having to be treated as an adult so early on that it's hard. Because in a way, his phoniness seemed very condescending to me, like mm. to have an, an adult condescend 
to you to explain a situation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So is that something that seems similar to you or, you know, am I just a crackpot? Like, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not a crackpot. I think that rings true for sure. I think, you know, as a kid who, like you said, is being sort of forced to grow up and move beyond sort of those early developmental stages quickly. Mm-hmm. I think it does feel very condescending to have a talking striped tiger puppet yeah. tell you how to feel things uh, if you're sort of in that position where you're like, well, that's not my day today. My day today is worse than this. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm having to deal with other shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's nice. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really solid theory about maybe why Friday the 13th and Daniel the Striped Tiger didn't resonate with me as a child. And uh, yeah, again, talking about therapy, the amount of time I've spent dissecting my childhood and reconnecting <laughs> that to my feelings as an adult, for sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Hmm. Jillian, do you have a follow-up question? Oh, well, I just, I don't know if um, if Kenna would have any thoughts, Sam's wife, on the matter, because I had brought this up. We had lunch the other day, and she also didn't like Mr. Rogers growing up. So I'm wondering, like, why, why for her she didn't enjoy it? You know, to, to be honest, I, I have no idea kind of what exactly <laughs> it was. Um, but you know, it, in kind of Luke saying that he came across kind of phony, mm-hmm. it, it occurred to me that to a degree, uh, an adult talking to children about their feelings and like really validating those feelings, um, and, and kind of really empathizing with children and stuff like that can come across as kind of phony just because I, I think it's not uncommon for adults to kind of like minimize kids issues mm-hmm. and like minimize their feelings. Cause it's like, Oh, well you're just a kid. Like it's just a phase or, or, or what have you. And so like to have an adult talk to you like your feelings are like very important mm-hmm. and that like that are, are worth dealing with. Um, I, I think can come across kind kind of fake um yeah it's almost like the it's it's proved by the inverse like the fact that you spend your whole childhood with your feelings minimized i would Mm -hmm. say in society at large we definitely do that minimize the experiences of children so to have someone then spend however long mr rogers is 30 minutes i think Mm -hmm. 30 minutes like validating you would feel and did feel very strange as a child Uh, yeah i think that's a good theory um, I actually have a question uh, that that was actually posed in the movie. Uh, what do you do with the mad that you feel? Mm. Uh, <laughs> bottle it, and someday yeah. I'll die. <laughs> for for many years, internalize it, and then let it manifest as a chronic illness that yeah. eats away at your body. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about anger lately. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I've been working on this art project, which I call "Women Yelling," 
And essentially, it's an exploration of uh, female anger and how mm-hmm. there isn't really a place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, and and kind of I've been investigating, you know, safe and good places to yell. <laughs> so oh. I've been part of this project is making a list of potential places to yell and kind of asking friends, you know, if you if you could yell somewhere, where would it where would it be? Um, and so many people are like, well, in my car, I would yell in my car. But if you don't have a car, like, where do you yell? You can't yell anywhere. And and mm-hmm. sometimes that's the, <laughs> the it feels like the only way to let an emotion out. Um, but there's no safe place to do it. So part of this project is like making a list of potential places to yell and then making a map of, of where you could go to yell in, in my city, for example. But then also I want to make a a box that's imagine an outhouse okay the mm-hmm. size and shape of one also the relief <laughs> you feel when you you see one in the wilderness uh-huh. and so it's this box that you go into it and it's soundproof on the inside and you close the door and then you can make the most noise you you've ever made and nobody can hear it and so it's a space to really be with your feeling and, and the noise that your feeling makes. And so I just need to figure out how to woodwork. <laughs> and, then, and then I've been Googling like how to soundproof things. And I don't know, it seems like quite a complex process. But. Will you call it the let it out house? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Or if I, I love it, but may I? Uh, push forward a, a candidate absolutely please <laughs> the sh- the shout house oh, oh that's a good oh that's a really good one <laughs> I, there i i do love the let it out house <laughs> both are so good oh, i think it's really interesting that you bring that up in particular because um i remember growing up and like always being you know, I was always the kid who had it together. And so I always considered myself a person who could deal with their emotions. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was, I was good. I was that kid, but two times a year and it would normally be in exactly six month increments. It's like, we would get to a point in the year where so much would build up and there would be so much stress that I would just have a breakdown. And my mom realized that pretty early on. And so when she could sense these times were coming, it's like, you know, she could just see the look on my face going to school in the morning um, or going to do whatever we were going to do in the summer. And it's just like, nope, you're not going to school today. Nope, we're not going to go do this thing today. And we would go and get Starbucks coffee. And then she would drive me out to the middle of nowhere and we would just yell. Oh my God. So that is like (laughs) exactly what we would go do. That's amazing. How did it feel? Oh, it felt so good. And now I'm so sad because, you know, we live in the country, kind of on the edge of the city. And, but, you know, it's been really great up until this point, but there's so much more development that's pushed out now. And so that, empty field that we could just pull off onto is now um, a really busy road that a new housing development is going in on, so yeah. I have to find a new yelling place. 
But yeah, it was great. It was a really wonderful experience. So I probably did that between the ages of like 13 and 18, like the last year or two of middle school all the way till mm-hmm. I graduated high school with her. So yeah. I love I'm, that. I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs a yelling place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I used to yell in my car, but I stopped doing that. I don't, I don't really know why. And then there, there's something about being a man yelling that I think isn't good. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going <laughs> to say is I, I like what you said earlier, Jillian, about uh, I love the idea of focusing on female anger because I feel mm-hmm. like there's two societal prongs that suck and are bullshit. And it's one that women should never be angry Uh and then two, it's the, what you're talking about, Sam, which is this idea that men shouldn't feel emotion. Or if uh-huh. they do, it's this toxic masculinity idea of being angry and being the angry man. Yeah. Uh, which is essentially just a man who, uh, unlike Fred Rogers, experiences anger and doesn't know what to do with it. Doesn't have a shouting place. Right. And mis- misrepresents that anger by like projecting, projecting it onto something else or just being a dick. Uh, basically because right. they're just trying to bottle that anger. So I think it's it's worth mentioning that this movie does present an idea of masculinity through Fred Rogers. It's actually pretty wholesome. Like he, mm-hmm. like at the very end of this movie, they chose to show us him banging on the low end of a piano, mm-hmm. uh, experiencing anger, just showing us, hey, here's a man experiencing anger. He's processing it, letting it soak through him, and then moving on because then he continues to play the piano. Uh, but he had his vent. He had his his way of sort of processing that anger, uh, which is mm-hmm. super healthy. And I feel like we don't yeah. get that societally telling us how to deal no. with that. No, and and uh, you know there there was something that actually came up in one of my therapy sessions recently that like I think especially for men, anger is a much more sort of socially acceptable emotion. Mm-hmm. And so I like. I especially tend to launder a lot of feelings through anger, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So instead of feeling sad or, or disappointed or or what have you, I feel angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, it gets old feeling that angry all the time. But you know, just like realizing that you know you can you can feel other things besides anger. Sure. Um, and then trying to do something with that rather than, you know, stewing in it, which mm-hmm. is what I typically do. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, I've, I've found, like, moving, like doing doing some kind of exercise mm-hmm. or something like that has, has helped a lot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely that weird, like, m- men can't feel anything except angry. Mm-hmm. But also that anger is genuinely terrifying to people yeah yeah Mm. Yeah. i honestly the scene where mr rogers like hits the lower end um the keys of the piano i actually i don't know there's something about that that was unsettling to me and i think i think maybe it was because he he wasn't showing that he was angry to the people around mm-hmm. him as they were like finishing up the show for the day you could tell that something was off with him 
because he was like quiet and wasn't his like friendly mm-hmm. um, regular self. But then, yeah, there was something about the fact that he was, I don't know, that it confirmed my suspicion that something was off with him when he hit mm. the lower end of the keys that I found unsettling in a way I'm sure I'll have to think about more. But yeah, it was it was maybe that he wasn't being honest about his feelings with the people around him mm-hmm. and only expressed it <laughs> kind of ominously. Oh, uh, I think it's interesting because in and of itself, I don't think that's that's something that is um, a bad thing, but it comes in the context of this film because I felt the same way about that. Mm-hmm. And in the film, there's like, you know, there's this idea at the beginning of it that this reporter is going to go in and uncover the real Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. and he's going yeah. to prove that he's not as good as he seems he is. And then you have this entire narrative throughout the movie that it's like, no, he is this really wonderful person, and the reporter's the one who changes through their relationship. And then you have that at the end, which to me seemed a little disingenuous because it's almost like they're leading you emotionally to a place where it's like, but he is angry and he's not who you think he is, as opposed to a healthy place where an individual can keep their emotions in check and then when they're alone, let those emotions out. And so you have two different ways to view that scene, but just because of the way the story was set up, like it's like it's Chekhov's gun. Like the idea mm-hmm. that Mr. Rogers isn't a mm. nice man and then it's brought back at the very end credit I don't know like that's just kind of how that was played out in my mind that sure. made me feel uncomfortable see I, I saw that as sort of I, I think I saw kind of the reverse of that because it was him, him feeling an emotion and not taking it out on anyone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then like processing it when it was like more appropriate to do that and then I like as as far as him like kind of not sort of measuring up I mean there is that scene uh where Matthew Reese is talking to uh Joanne uh, his mm-hmm. wife right Fred Fred's wife mm-hmm. um and she does talk about how like nah he he fucks up yeah um mm-hmm. and and he does have like a temper mm-hmm. and so I I saw that as sort of validating both those things of yes. like he, he definitely still will just get mad sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think it helps that when he is officially playing, like, the whole scene off, the music does pick up tempo. Like, he's not... He didn't remain at the mm-hmm. last chords. Like, he was playing, he hits he hits the low notes, and he bangs a little bit, and then he moves on. And so yeah. I think that allowed it to carry him out, which is what I picked up from the scene that I was just kind of emotionally uncomfortable with the juxtaposition because I just kind of thought there there was a little bit too much of getting my words right. Um, that I guess just the whole I was still I was still stuck in that first part of the movie. Like visually, mm-hmm. the way that that story was told could have the way that it could have been interpreted as something slightly more sinister. Mm-hmm. I like I didn't like that framing of it. Is sure. what made yeah. me feel uncomfortable. Not that he was expressing his emotions. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
And and I think kind of to your point is the movie makes a point to say like he isn't a saint, but then also very much makes him out to, to be, be a saint. saint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what was missing was the in the movie talks about this and tries to get across the idea that this is something Fred Rogers want kids to do, but the communication side of it, like mm-hmm. what what would have been preferable to that end scene is seeing Mr. Rogers express, I am angry. And like talking right. to somebody about it, which is a very healthy thing to do with your emotions, but it would have made a very fucking boring movie if for the last 10 minutes he just pulled aside <laughs> his assistant director and was like, hey, I'm feeling angry about this. And we just get like a detailed 10 minute discussion about it. Um, yeah, but I think the the framing, I do see your point about the framing of that. And I think communication is what was was missing mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I guess maybe what it uh, maybe I didn't want to peek behind the curtain on Mr. Mm. Rogers. Maybe I just wanted <laughs> like a, an uncomplicated figure who's just kind. And I think like as a kid, I I watched him and and even when the "It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood" music started started to play in the movie, I was like. <sighs> man <laughs> <laughs> you know it sounded like my little kid self like sat up and was like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> um so i guess maybe i don't want him to be complicated from that little kid part of me but mm-hmm. the adult part of me is like as his wife says in the movie like i don't like it when people call him a saint because that means that how he is isn't attainable mm-hmm. um yeah so i think that it is helpful to know that he did feel anger um and wasn't just like your warm cozy cardigan friend like he's mm-hmm. a, a man you know but right. it's not helpful for little kid me who just <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want to see tom hanks with his hand up striped <laughs> the striped lion, like singing, you know, like that. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't need that. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is um, like a, a quick turn in a different direction. Um, and I, I don't know if we'll be able to pull conversation from it, but looking at Lloyd's character. And the journey that he went through this whole process of like learning to be more comfortable with his emotions and to trust others and to reconcile with his dad. Um, I think he wasn't given, given enough credit by some of the people in his family in particular when he was struggling with forgiving his father. Mm-hmm. Because I think he was in a very unique position to have become a new father himself. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I could see being a new dad and having this, this beautiful baby and falling in love with your child. And that bringing up all of these emotions about how you will never do this to your child. And everything is all new again because you're starting to view your father through the lens of a father Mm -hmm. and how much harder that would probably make his reconciliation. And so 
the scene with him and his dad when he's at home, you know, on his deathbed and he, he has a son. He woke up late at night or early, early in the morning to help feed his son doing quote unquote, the mother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how hard that must have been as a person to be in a situation like that where you're juggling so many emotions that are now so new and raw for you all over again. And then now it's also the time that you have to reconcile because it might be your only opportunity to reconcile that's left. Yeah. And, and I, and, and this may be bullshit. I don't, I don't know, but I, I wonder if that is complicated because he's having I think to confront the fact that uh, that that Lloyd is kind of doing a sort of similar thing to his dad mm-hmm. in, in that it's portrayed that he's pretty absent mm-hmm. um, much earlier in the film and like thinking back on it I, I don't know that he holds his baby Mm-mm. for the first like half of the movie yeah. the only, he, he takes out the diaper trash is like the biggest thing that I noted is when he comes into the apartment and all the babies are there with their mothers and he's like right. oh it stinks and he he took out he took out the diaper trash that was his involvement <laughs> and, and so it, it seems like it's a sort of like having to forgive his dad for you know all the the things that he did wrong but also kind of having to forgive himself for making some of the same mistakes as his mm-hmm. dad. Yeah. Um, Cause we do kind of see that journey too. Um, and so I, I wonder if like, that's kind of a harder thing is to like, I, I, I find a lot of times it's harder to forgive myself for things that I have an easier time forgiving other people for. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously this is something that uh, I, I think is very difficult to like forgive your parent for, leaving um but also i think having to forgive yourself for realizing that you've kind of done some flavor of the same thing has got to be challenging as well right mm-hmm. um but i i hate to cut this short <laughs> <laughs> however Luke and I have been sincere for far too long than <laughs> on this podcast. You know, people come here and they expect to hear about, you know, Tom Hanks's dense dumper and his meaty clackers and whether or not he was involved in the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. And so so we gotta get unfortunately out. get out of our feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Luke and I can't be vulnerable for too long or we'll explode. Yeah. We're approaching that that vector, but uh, I will say it was nice to sort of yeah. get a nice dunk in the uh, the earnestness there for you know a good twenty minutes. That felt that felt good. It, it felt did. real good. <laughs> it feels very nice. Feels good now. Now those dick jokes are gonna feel real empty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Last two episodes of this podcast, Luke and I are gonna feel real numb. Yeah, maybe maybe we do a, a full turnaround on the last two episodes, and it's just nothing but earnest feelings about uh, that's it. That's yeah. all you're Greyhound have. and News of the World. Exactly, and Luke, I'm glad you mentioned it because next week 
we will be watching 2020's Greyhound. Mm-hmm. Oh, that feels fucking weird to say. But, uh, Luke, do you... You haven't seen it, right? Mm, well... No. Yeah, no. I don't even think it was out when we started this. Mm-mm. Um, Jillian's, have either of you seen Greyhound? No. no. I haven't do we all... Wait, what? I was going to say, I haven't seen... In the last, his most recent film I saw was the strangest and stupid hologram for the king. That was mm. it. That was the last... Can agree. The last one. <laughs> we, we did see that one and do agree. We did. For yeah. sure. <laughs> Fucking weird. Just, yep. I had to stop there. <laughs> so, do, do we want to make some guesses as to what Greyhound is going to be about? Yeah, I think it'd be fun to give uh, the elevator pitch, like a one-liner for, for what each of us is thinking Greyhound is going to be. And I'm, I'm happy to kick us off. Yeah, please. All right, so it's 2020, it's mid-pandemic, so my, my headline for what this movie is is Tom Hanks attempts to take a bus to a new city during pandemic. Ooh, okay. okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, Jillian's? Yeah, I was thinking that he drives the bus, that he is the Greyhound bus driver, and he wears mm. a, a little hat. But I'm also thinking, like, you said that this movie came out after you started your podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, what if, what if Tom Hanks has heard your (laughs) podcast? (laughs) And, like, I don't know, like, there's some piece of what you, the art you have made, has informed Greyhound. Oh, now that's interesting. What, What if we're... The muse for Tom Hanks now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's both an honor and completely terrifying to me. Yeah, I don't know how comfortable I am with that one, but God, it would be amazing if we booted it up and he just barrels to the camera and says, "Sam and Luke, this one's for you guys." <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing: it would be a threat. There's no chance that Tom Hanks like. Gets inspired by us and does not issue an immediate threat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jillian, uh, I'm I'm just gonna jump off the deep end here, and I'm gonna say that it is uh, Speed meets Taken. He's just going yes. to turn yeah. a whole new leaf. Like he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Action Hanks. Angry <laughs> Grandpa love Action Hanks. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love it, it so much. Yes, we've been waiting for his action turn. And we've kind of gotten glimpses of it, but he's never gone mm-hmm. full John Wick, and I am so here for this. Oh, my God. Tom Wick. I'm, mm. I'm dying for this. <laughs> well, here's, here's my pitch. Tom Hanks is a washed-up dog racer. <laughs> <laughs> Easily the most Weird. believable, I think, out of all of our pictures. <laughs> and the saddest. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Jillian's, do, do you want to plug your podcast? Tell people where they can find you? Sure. Yeah, you can find us on Spotify for sure. I'm sure other places. Jillian, are there other places? Well, we're Facebook. We're on Facebook. And we're yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, and we're also on Apple Podcasts and Anchor and then all the different podcast hosting sites that Anchor plugs people in through. You can find us at The Sick Girl Missives. 
Yeah, and we're we're in like the final stretch. At yeah. The mo- so I get it while it's hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like two more episodes, I guess, coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So. Oh, and then you're ending. That we're we're calling this season one. Yeah. Okay. So we don't really know what's what's happening. Mm-hmm. We've got some ideas. We've got some well, ideas. But all right. Yeah, our episode twelve will will be coming out soon, and then who knows? Who who <laughs> knows where where that bus is going? Because it is. It is heading on a journey, leaving the station, season two, we don't know, man. <laughs> hey, well, that's exciting, and I can't wait to listen. And, uh, folks, here you have it. Two podcasts at a real crossroads. Mm-hmm. You know, both two episodes left, both have no direction on what's coming next. <laughs> but, but do tune in. Uh, again, thank you both so much for joining us this mm-hmm. week. Thanks for uh, having and us. Thank you. And yeah. Forcing us to watch Tom Hanks sing. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. One more week in a row. <laughs> uh, and and please, folks, do listen to the Sick Girl Girl Missives. It is a fantastic podcast, and you will not be disappointed. Um, and uh, well, Luke, do you have a final quote for us? I do, and it's said by Lady Averlane. Is that her name? I think. Yeah. Okay. And it's pretty simple. It's just, want to smell? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, once again, thank you so much, Jillians, for, for joining us uh, this week. And thank you for listening to another episode of Hanksy Panksy. We'll be back next week with 2020's Greyhound. <laughs>